Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed co-host for 16 years doing this podcast this year. And, you know, Kathy and I are always looking for what are the few tips, tools you could do or you could get your team to do to be better. Sometimes those are things to do more of. Sometimes those things are to do less of. And today we have the joy of talking about the perfection trap, embracing the uh, power of good enough. And that may be something for you that maybe you need to do a little less of. But we have the pleasure of talking with Thomas, Dr. Thomas Curran, uh, Kern, and he's going to tell us about his book uh, that can help. That maybe that's one of the, uh, Kath, as we know, in interviews, when we interview folks or interviews for a job, when they say, oh, what's one of your weaknesses? Oh, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. That's kind of like in that world of being okay, um, but also can you know get in the way. So, Kathy, work. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Raleigh. Yes, I am very excited today uh, to talk to uh, our guest Thomas Kroon, and uh, I am um, especially excited uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I am a perfectionist at some things, and <laughs> okay. it is sickness. Uh, and also because he comes, he hails from the London School of Economics, where both of my mentors, Robin Fox and Lionel Tiger, stemmed from way back in the 1990s. So this yeah. is this is wonderful. Uh, man, that's great. I, I didn't know that. He had those mentors there. Um, so let me say a couple words, and we'll do a quick intro of, of Thomas, and we'll get into picking his brain about the perfection trap. And so, you know, Kathy and I are always talking about uh, the key competencies in emotional intelligence now that we're coming out of the pandemic. You know, there's still uh, traces. I talked with someone yesterday who was at a party uh, and did not get COVID, but five people got COVID. So still still with us. And so because of, of that, just in generally, everything is more for us today. So if you're a leader, you're a parent. What does that mean? More anxiety, more sadness, more anger, more pain. And all of us, Gallup tells us, could use more support. 75% of people could use more support. That could be as, as the leader, could be as a colleague, could be as a, as a parent. So we really want to uh, help give you a couple tools because most of us are on overwhelm. Most of us aren't taking time to reflect enough. That's where the coaching that Kathy and I do are really helpful. And then, Kathy, I'll let you tell our audience just about some of the tools that they may be able to have from our, our uh, joint website. Sure, absolutely. And let me just add to that data. As many of you know, I have uh, been dedicated uh, over the past couple of years to dealing with our working warriors, uh, which are today in our nation, our law enforcement, public safety professionals. And, Relly, you'll be astounded that 35 
to 85% of those individuals have very few, if any, coping mechanisms to support them. And so when you can go to www.emotionalbrilliance.com backslash academy and get free resources, including our ebook, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence, and also other cutting-edge tools and strategies that you and your team can use any day, anytime, anywhere to be brilliant in the moment, you are going to be helping yourself and if you want to pass them along, please do. We'd love you to do so to help others. And we are so excited uh, about today's show, Relly. I cannot wait to jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Jump, jump, jump. Oh, I'll jump. I'll jump. <laughs> Thomas Curran is a professor of psychology at the London School of Economics and author of a landmark study that the BBC hailed as the first to compare perfectionism across generations. His TEDx talk on perfectionism has received more than 3 million views. His research has been featured in media ranging from the Harvard Business Review to New Scientist to CNN, and he has appeared on numerous television and radio programs. We know them as podcasts. Adam Grant calls him the world's leading expert on perfectionism, and he's written the definitive book on why it's rising, how it wrecks and absolutely wreaks havoc on our lives, and what we can do to stop it. Daniel Pink, also a good friend of ours, says that it offers a hopeful beacon and a steady path for anyone struggling to find their footing in a world of impossible standards. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that introduction, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks, Thomas. Uh, we always like to start to get a little bit more about your background, your influences. Uh, I'm, you know, as a psychologist myself, I'm saying, I wonder if he's going to talk about perfection in his life, which I imagine you will. But so where would you say uh, are some of the influences that kind of brought you to where you are today? Gosh, um, yeah, I'm definitely... A perfectionistic person for sure it's one of the reasons why I do the research it's uh, what got me fascinated I, I suppose with this, this concept of perfectionism and what it is how it impacts us and why it is that so many seem to if not fully identify perfectionism at least carry with them some perfectionistic tendencies and um, these are pressures self-imposed pressures and, and, and other imposed pressures, so pressures from the outside world um, that I've certainly felt that I've placed on myself, that I feel I've placed on me and uh, have certainly had an impact uh, on my life, particularly in terms of mental health. It's something that I've had to manage, I've struggled with, and not just in my own life, but also in the relationships, uh, at, in the workplace. And... Um, it's really something that I see all, all around me as well in my students and uh, people that I work with. So perfectionism was really something that impacted me, but I also saw it impacting other people. And that's really the reason I, I, was, I became fascinated with it and wanted to know more about it. You know, as you're talking to us, uh, Thomas, I'm reflecting on your TED Talk. And for those of you who haven't heard it, please, you have to listen to it. The dangers of perfectionism. Uh, it, it, it tells us 
so much about what's going on with social media, but it also reflects on the research uh, that Relly and I love so much, which are the elements of emotional intelligence that we speak about on this podcast that relate to perfectionism. Can you talk a little bit uh, about those as we uh, begin the show today? Um, well, I mean, it, it's so the, the TED, thank you very much for uh, your kind words about the TED talk. Um, it really was a surprise to get invited, but what was re- I think what was most in- surprising about that was was that this is something that seems to be very live at the moment, almost a zeitgeist, I suppose you would you would say. Um, to get invited for a TED talk is is quite crazy, but it obviously speaks to something that that society uh, or the societal problem. Um, and absolutely, you know, I was invited to talk about the pressures, as you mentioned there, social media, schooling. Um, high-pressurized workplaces, changing parenting practices, and all of these things that uh, are weighing on our need to, and, uh, to be perfect. And certainly it has a massive impact on our emotional well-being. Um, lots of self-conscious emotions are wrapped up in, in uh, perfectionism, things like shame, um, guilt. Uh, these, these kind of fears are what drive perfectionists. They go underneath all of that boundless striving that you see. Um, on the surface, but of course they're um, problematic emotions. They pr- produce unsustainable levels of um, persistence to tasks and a lot of uh, psychological distress. Um, so that was really the purpose of the TED Talk was to, I suppose, raise the warning uh, of those the dangers of perfectionism and how it impacts on our emotional stability and emotional well-being. And so we know a lot of the things that you just uh, mentioned Thomas, you know, kind of fall into kind of the emotional intelligence world and, and, you know, what do you know about yourself? Uh, how do you manage yourself? You talked about shame, you talked about guilt, you talked about kind of the fear. And then the same thing, uh, with others, you know, what do you know about others? There may be people in your world, uh, could be a, uh, a, a boss, coworker, could be someone in your family dealing with perfectionism. Um, with that, it's, some of your research is saying that uh, you think perfectionism is getting worse. You know, so why do you see that? Like, what's some of the, what's behind that? What are some of the some of the data you see? Yeah, I would agree that. The, so the first thing that really prompted any inquiry into this was really just watching people and the world around me. Certainly, I felt the need to be perfect, as I mentioned earlier, and I carry around me a lot of that emotional baggage. Um, feelings of inadequacy, shame, worry, guilt, hypervigilance about how I'm looking, how I'm performing, uh, particularly in public spaces and, uh, and in, um, in very public uh, events and activities. Uh, these were things that worried me and they were very, they're things that worried my students too. I mean, you see it all the time in university and college campuses. Students are so worried about how they're performing, how they're looking. Some of them won't even open their grade books for fear that one bad grade will ruin their future chances it's it's really sad and quite scary and of course not that every mm. student is like that of course they're not but enough to make us worried uh and certainly the direction of travel would make you worried and so we that was really the impetus to do uh, the research to try and understand well is this a growing problem 
And um, we did do a piece of research not so long ago now, which basically looked at perfectionism across generations in college students. And what we're seeing is exactly uh, what we thought we might see, which is perfectionism is growing uh, very, very fast. And socially prescribed perfectionism, social imperfections in the sense that other people expect me to be perfect. Well, that's on an exponential trajectory upwards at the moment, um, which is really concerning. You know, as you're um, describing some of this, I, I reflected on where we are in our understanding of, of public safety, and both in our communities and those who serve us are definitely impacted by this social pressure for perfectionism. And really, as you like to say, you know, leaders are under the spotlight. And we see, and I'm fairly convinced that in our current environment, in the communities where we see these hypervigilant behaviors around uh, law enforcement that are creating stress because law enforcement professionals have to be more and more perfect in the delivery of their roles, mm-hmm. we, we can see that that stress is creating what we're now seeing in the media as these uh, very stress-related behaviors, the lack of impulse control. Uh, the need for being more directive, uh, and and the, as you say, the, the, the problems that are associated with that uh, for well-being. Do you see a trend in these groups of, of generations for higher levels of stress that are creating the need for more perfectionism? Is it kind of a self-feeding prophecy? I would definitely say right now we live in a culture that wants quick answers and wants to individualize everything that happens. And what do I mean by that? Well, there has to be somebody or something to blame. Whenever something goes wrong, we want to point the finger. And this trend is exacerbated by social media, but it's always been the way analog media has worked. And those pressures filter down in a, in, a, in a platform like social media where everybody and all around us is looking, watching, waiting for the pounce if we put a foot wrong or something's happened that we didn't um, expect. And this, ver- this blame culture really creates a, an echo chamber mm. where people are so, so worried about slipping up, saying the wrong thing, making a mistake. For the for knowledge of the mm-hmm. consequences could be very severe for them personally, um, particularly with, as I said, with uh, social media giving a, a spotlight, a magnifying glass, and amplifying things that in the right. past perhaps would not, not necessarily have been amplified, that's the danger. And I think in this culture, we have to learn to try to explain more and, and try to avoid that, that impulse almost these days to blame, to blame, 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 and not explain. I think that's so so important because of course there will be things that people do wrong which are you know terrible and they deserve the blame but there will also be things that people do wrong which are honest mistakes um because we're imperfect people and we do things wrong we slip up we we just are fallible flawed exhaustible creatures and this is a culture right now that it, it does everything it can to deny that reality to point the finger, to blame, mm-hmm. and not ask those deeper questions about why did that happen? And what were the circumstances right. surrounding it? And what, what, what structures failed? 
And there's always, always, almost always a much bigger picture to the things we see on the surface. And, and that's obviously not a very attractive story. It's not going to sell many papers or get many likes and licks on social media. But nevertheless, that helps understand what's going on far more if we can understand the broader context and try to explain those events rather than simply point the finger and be done with it. And I think that kind of culture right now is undoubtedly impacting on young people on everybody, actually, but certainly young people in that vortex of social media where even the slightest mistakes slip up or chink in the armory is amplified and shared across the globe. So, uh, you know, this is this is really difficult for young people right now to grow up inside that culture. Um, so and I don't well, want to, you know... Very just, well said. Very well said. We're yeah. going to go to a quick break, Thomas. And uh, for those of you who are listening, you'll want to come right back because we're going to dive deeper here into the dangers of perfectionism. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech, like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. IC Tech. For those who get it. IC Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking to one of the top performers, researchers on perfection, and basically one of the top performers probably in the world around this perfection trap. We've been talking to Thomas Kern, and uh, his book just came out, The Perfection Trap, last week, so you could be hot on the trail of getting it before others do. His website is www.tom, with T-H-O-M, Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N, Tom Curran, Tom, T-H-O-M, Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N.com. And you can um, check out his, his TED Talk, but definitely check out the book around the perfection trap. Hopefully we'll entice you with some of the questions that we're asking uh, Thomas here. And so... Uh, one of the questions is, how does perfection impact decision-making? Kathy and I are always dealing with leaders around their decision-making. I mean, that's critical. What they do in the moment, we always like to talk about moment mastery. What they do in the moment is uh, everything because that moment is going to depict what's going to happen afterwards. So um, how does perfectionism influence decision-making and then this idea of you know, taking calculated risks, you know, maybe some of the cautiousness that may come? Yeah, it's a really good question. So perfectionists do struggle a little bit with um, indecision because perfection is an inherently impossible goal um, and it's it's something that can't necessarily always be known or even achieved. And so what you tend to find with perfectionistic people is nothing's ever quite good enough. And the way this looks in uh, our own lives is a constant sort of tinkering, um, editing, iterating. Certainly myself, I've just written a book, as you just mentioned there, and it took me three years over deadline for that very reason. Um, Because essentially nothing is quite perfect enough for the the perfectionist. And so this can have a massive impact on their decision-making abilities, their uh, their, their their ability to just let things go when it's when it's good enough, move on to the next thing, and of course that's not just in doesn't impact on their decision making, but impacts on their creativity too. Because if you're constantly worried about making something perfect, then that's kind of very stifling. It's a very rigid way of thinking that doesn't allow much flexibility. Certainly doesn't allow much um, room for failure or challenge and so perfectionistic people paradoxically uh, in the avoidance of that failure and challenge will choose very safe uh, things that they think they've got a high chance of succeeding at and move themselves away from difficult challenging situations where there might be a high chance of failure but also high chance of success and reward if you you know if you break through and do something really innovative so not great for decision making also not great for creativity Thomas, let me jump in here with the title of your book, if we haven't said it, The Perfection Trap, Empowering or Embracing the Power of Good Enough. Let me say that again. The Perfection Trap, empower. I keep saying empowering, embracing the power <laughs> of good enough. <laughs> I, I am hey, so Kathy, out of it today. Kathy, I apologize. No, uh, let me correct myself. No, okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Am I being a perfectionist? No, now let's that's be what careful. I was going to, right? to say. You're just, you, right. Some things we have to be perfect at doing or we screw up the, <laughs> the brand or we screw up the marketing message, right? Or we screw up the possibility of the sale. 
So, you know, I'm going to challenge all of us here for a minute. There are times when saying the wrong thing in the wrong place could end a career. It could end book sales, you know. It could end a lot of things that are important to us as as people. And leaders have to also give us the room, as you said, Thomas, so beautifully, to have empathy for ourselves and others during making mistakes. That's part of self-regard in emotional intelligence. But we also have to be somewhat diligent about making sure that we're tracking to what is real. And the reality checking around perfectionism, to me, is very important because we have people believing things that aren't true, and we have people who are giving out data that doesn't matter. And so I think to some degree maybe there's an evolutionary need for some qualities of perfectionism that allow us Mm -hmm. to thrive and evolve appropriately. Yeah, I mean, there's no, nothing wrong at all with having high standards, and there's nothing wrong with being conscientious, meticulous, diligent, um, all of those things when they're needed. Uh, certainly not. But those things are very different to perfectionism. Those things come from a very active, optimistic sense of being uh, aware and of what's expected and wanting to do the best we can possibly do. Nothing's perfect. Nobody's perfect or could be ever ever made perfect. And people who are conscientious understand that. Uh, and they're willing to let things go when, when they're good enough. That doesn't mean that they don't work hard. It doesn't mean they're not um, assiduous and pay attention to detail. But it also means that they can know that if they've made a mistake, it's okay. It's part of the process. Um, and if they send something off, it's not going to be perfect, but that's also okay. As long as it's a good job, we've put our efforts in, we've applied ourselves to the best of our abilities, then that, that's the most important thing. And and so I think that's very important to draw that distinction because a lot of people associate perfection or perfectionism with success and the signature of the successful person. But what you'll most often find is that people who are most successful actually are conscientious. And those things are very different. That doesn't mean to say you won't find the odd Steve Jobs. Of course not. Um, <laughs> yeah, who, I love he certainly it. I wasn't love it. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, th- there's also Richard Branson, right? Like, there's also examples of people that aren't perfectionistic people who have just ha- had just as much uh, success with far less, I'm sure, personal struggle and strife in both their own lives and their relationships. And I think that's, that's important to bear in mind that, that you know, look, you started, you started your question off with this idea, well, you know, if you don't have the perfect outcome or you, you don't, you know, it could be the difference between a, a business uh, failing and thriving. And, and I would just say, look, there's no perfect way to market a product. There's no perfect way to sell, to sell our consultancy. There's no perfect way um, to build a brand. There are several, many several hundreds of thousands of good enough ways to sell the product. Mm-hmm. And as long as we find one of them, that's, all, that's the most important thing. You know, it's it's building us, uh, our companies up, surrounding ourselves with the right people, applying ourselves and finding that good enough solution to getting whatever product or brand or consultancy we have that's the most important thing. So try not to strive for perfection, but but try and be conscientious, diligent, meticulous instead. Those are far better qualities. Well, I just want to say one more thing before Relly jumps in here, and that is that's why I love Google, because I can misspell. (laughs) I can misspell. (laughs) And it says... Don't worry, Kathy, I've got you. <laughs> That's good. That's always good. Um, 
So, uh, Thomas, you were talking about um, this idea of perfection, and I think you get into this sticky place where a leader may want people from their own idea of what perfection is and communicating that to others that may not be there. One of the things we heard uh, from early on one of our podcasts, Rudy Tanzi, who wrote a book with Deepak Chopra that I pass on all the time, is stress is unmet expectations. And so if the leader is not clear about their expectations, um, it's going to add stress. What can a leader do to kind of modify this message that they're not striving for perfection, which then can set everybody up on the team because that leader's got so much influence? So you talk about employing, you know, uh, showing some empathy, uh, understanding. So how, how would someone verbally go about that? Well, the first thing, the, the very, very first thing is the crux of any relation, never mind if you're in business, personal, university, schooling, whatever, is to, you've got to have open lines of communication. And you've got to be there to empathize and understand the people of that you work with, that's so important. Take an interest, not just in what's going on at work, but also try try to be the, the boss that really understands the people who work for them and ask them how they're doing and take an interest in, in their lives. I think that's, that's so, so important to building strong bonds. And from that place, you can really begin to build cultures of safety which allow and embrace failure essentially the idea that not everything is going to go to plan look we live in a knowledge economy and a lot of jobs out there right now um, require just in time innovation that's to say just good enough innovation right to get from the one job to the next because that's how fast these companies move they can't stand still they've got to keep producing they've got to keep innovating they've got to keep changing with a very <laughs> fast-paced economy so in those kind of contexts, it's no good saying, here's a sword of Damocles, and if we don't perform on this project, then you know, you're out the door. This isn't the way that we motivate and create um, harmonious and, and um, thriving cultures. How we do it is, is uh, trust and faith in the employees that we've hired, by the way. We've hired them because we've got skills. There is some faith that we're placing them at the very outset. So make sure they know that. Let people know that you've, you've, you, they're there because they deserve to be there on merit. They have skills. Those things are so important to reinforce. But more importantly, for them to know that, you know, no, no question is a stupid question. Failure, setbacks, challenge, these things are going to come up time and time again. And not every idea is going to make it to product, but that's fine. Not every, uh, <laughs> not every mistake, setback is going to come, be, come down on like a, ton of bricks that this is a process that you know we're working together we're pulling in the same direction um and and the most important thing as i mentioned in the answer to the last question is that there are several different there are several good enough outcomes of whatever project or thing you're working on and as long as we hit one of them that's the main thing and move on to the next and keep moving on to the next that's the most important thing progress is way better than perfection and creating cultures that mm. really embrace that message i think is so important you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's something that I'm I'm tapping into here related to Carol Dweck's work. Do you remember when she talked about effort is more important than the actual goal? 
And there's something there with regard to dispelling the perfectionism myth. When you teach and you're trying to get these wonderful young minds to wrap their brain around the idea that they don't have to be perfect, do you see that they're just as happy with effort once you are engaging them in this idea that perfectionism as an ism, is not necessarily where they need to focus. Yeah, you really have to, but that has it has to come from every angle. You know, every part of your organization has to sing from the same hymn sheet because if different departments or uh, different colleagues or even different managers within the same institution start pushing in a slightly different direction, then that can really trigger our perfectionistic tendencies. Yeah, growth mindset. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on board. I think focusing on the progress, focusing on the effort, the learning, the growth, all of these things are great. Should absolutely be encouraged within organisations, and leaders should be focused on those things. That doesn't mean to say that we should take our eye off the prize. There are obviously outcomes. There are targets we need to hit. This is the way the workplace works, and probably will still work for many many decades. Um, and so there is there is a time and a place for the outcome, but certainly in the day-to-day, it's very important to make sure that we keep making progress, that we keep putting one foot in front of the other and producing. You know, that's so, so important. Sending it off, <laughs> doing the presentation, closing the deal. You know, it doesn't have to be the perfect deal. It doesn't have to be the perfect product, but it has to be done because if it's not done, then, you know, done is way better than trying to continually iterate and find something that, going to be the you know the perfect uh this kind of perfect product that doesn't exist so yeah i'd say growth mindset is is important um but it's like anything in moderation you know you don't want to focus too much on effort because then that turns itself quickly into a perfectionistic mindset of this kind of spiral of never ending expectations <laughs> yes. um so everything in moderation um, but the most important thing is to keep moving progress and get getting things off that in in in, cult, in high performance cultures that's what you'll see all the time that there is there is a point at which um things are good enough and that we're getting off and we're moving on to the next thing and we're moving on to the next thing because you know that's where innovation happens in those little iterative moments where we're producing the next thing the next thing the next thing and we're gradually building something better each time so a lot of, a lot of the things <clears throat> thomas you're talking about we all have this sense of perfection, <clears throat> that fine line, what's good enough. And this kind of goes into the, the emotional intelligence competency of self-awareness. So are there some uh, tricks or hacks about uh, the self-awareness? Because everything starts with the self. Is the boss a perfectionist? Is the individual trying to please the boss? Are they a perfectionist? Is the significant other spouse or partner are they a perfectionist and people are trying to please them? How do you how do you zero in on the self awareness? Are there like tools, assessments, you know, things that you would bring that to the forefront? Yeah, so we may I mean perfectionism is a is a spectrum and each of us will have a little bit of perfectionism, even if some of us are on the lower end of a distribution and we will work with and know people in our lives who are higher in the spectrum and, and most of us will be somewhere around the middle and that's kind of how we measure perfectionism, that's what it looks like. We've got self-report tools that can give us a metric of where we sit 
on um, the spectrum and there's some tools in my book that interested readers can go to and consult. Um, there are also tools that are widely available uh, on the internet if people are interested to do this in their own organizations. Um, I'd encourage people not necessarily to benchmark or rank, but more to, to use those tools as a thought experiment as to, you know, am I typically agreeing with these statements? Am I typically disagreeing with these statements? Where, where am I more or less landing? Because perfectionists love a number and they love a benchmark and they love to measure themselves up and I'd encourage you not to do that with these tools, which, which is what I say in the book, you know, just think about, do you agree? Are you finding yourself agreeing or disagreeing? And no, that's the best self-reflective uh, no, practice to think, okay, if I'm, if I'm, more, if I'm more agreeing and slightly, slightly agreeing and, and agreeing on these questions, and it's likely I'm going to have a little bit of perfection. So what does that look like? How is that manifesting itself in my day-to-day -day life in terms of my own standards and standards I have for other people? And are there ways I can manage that? Are there ways that I can recalibrate those goals or reframe those thoughts in a healthier way? Well, you are doing an amazing job of helping us reframe some of these. We're going to go to a quick break. Remember the name of the book, The Perfection Trap, Embracing the Power of Good Enough. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. IC Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Thomas Curran, and he has a new book just came out last week, The Perfection Trap, Embracing the Power of Good Enough. And I'm sure you can get it from Amazon. His website, if you want more information, is www.tomcurran, and it's Tom, T-H-O-M, Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N. And then Thomas... uh, one of the things that, that we talk about a lot, you know, is this stress is unmet expectations and either for yourself or for others. And leaders can put on this expectations of people that may be unrealistic. Uh, one of the interventions that I've been using more recently with co- people that I'm coaching who are perfectionists is what if you were 15% less effective? That kind of kind of irks them. What do you mean less effective? Would anybody notice it? And it's only these are the ones who I know are driving for perfection. What if you were 15% less effective? Would anybody notice it? And then I've actually had opportunities to even ask their boss with that individual, would you notice if they were 15% less effective? Again, this is a caveat. This is someone who's driving for perfection all the time to back off a little bit because as a leader, uh, the influence over others can cause not only the leader to be burnout, but for their team to be on the burnout track if you're striving for perfection. So maybe say a little bit about, you know, from your research around perfection uh, and the related stress of burnout in this leadership role. How would people proactively address this? Yeah, so you have to remember that when, like, like human beings are resourceful creatures and our resources are not limitless even though perhaps at times we look around us we see the unicorn achiever we see the Steve Jobs the Richard Branson uh, Serena Williams all these exceptional high profile performers who say they're perfectionistic people and work relentlessly to get to the top that, that, that therefore that's, somehow that's what we must do in order for our company or firm or or consultancy, whatever it might be, to also, you know, reach the top. And I would say, think very long and hard about that, because there's a law of diminishing and then inverse returns to additional effort beyond a certain threshold. And we know that because the research tells us that, you know, you can put in loads and loads of work, and at first that's going to convert itself into productivity. However, once you start to get beyond the threshold where you're compromising other areas of your life, time friends good diet exercise uh, rest rejuvenating sleep all these things by the way that we know are crucial to performance uh, once you start sacrificing those things any additional returns to effort become smaller and smaller and smaller until you reach a point of inverse returns where you've gone beyond the threshold now and any additional effort that you put into your work is actually making the work worse whether that be because you're iterating too much you're editing too much you're tired you're getting sloppy 
So you have to be really, really careful as a leader not to push yourself and also other people into that zone of decline in diminishing terms because that's not where you're going to get the most productivity. And in the end, I think it's that old adage, really, under-promise and over-deliver. I think there's, a, there's an assumption in modern culture that people are inherently lazy, and if you don't push them from below, they're not gonna, you're not going to get the best out of them. They'll take things for granted and won't work. That's just not true. Most people have intrinsic needs to master and be competent. They have needs for autonomy in the sense that they want to feel like that their work has meaning and purpose. And as long as you give them those things, and you provide them with a safe environment that provides a set of standards, but that's realistic, importantly, then you'll maximize their motivation because once you've set a standard that's achievable and they've reached it and even exceeded it, then that's like kryptonite for subsequent motivation. They feel more competent instantly. They feel better about themselves. Their self-esteem is, is improved and they will come to work much more vitalized and energized uh, and, and as a consequence produce far better results. So perfectionism really is that it, it is the thief really of productivity because it's an unsustainable form of hard work and what's more important is uh, balance uh, realistic goals and a, and, a, and a very consistent and regular sense of you know quick wins that we're getting somewhere that we're making progress and that we're exceeding expectations so so that would be my advice I, I love what you're saying about how to get people to be motivated and the importance of recognizing where perfectionism will, in fact, get in the way of that. And we know right now one of the biggest hurdles we're dealing with globally is the hybrid leader, um, the person who is working in an environment where half their team is remote and maybe even more than half their team is remote and the other half um, is is local, and they are not feeling like they can get their work done, like they're in control, and therefore I would imagine someone with that perfectionist personality trait is not going to be comfortable being a hybrid leader in this environment. So good, definitely good advice. Any comments on that? Well, you've just got to set your store. This is, by the way, this is a huge challenge. You're absolutely right to flag it. It's a huge challenge. People working in different places, different time zones um, uh, across the globe. You know, this is the this is the <laughs> dilemma of the modern manager. But I would say it's so so important from day one just to be crystal clear about what it's like to work around here, because that that culture, that set of expectations, what 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 you would like from um, the working environment and the culture that you're trying to create. And we've talked about certain features of that culture that would certainly help a perfectionistic person, you know, ma manageable, realistic expectations, uh, a culture of safety where we're, we, we know, no questions, a stupid question. And we're, we're embracing challenge setbacks and failure as, as ways to learn and improve where progress is way better than perfection. And all of these things, it's so, so important to set that out um, from day one, because you know, that will help people wherever they are in the world, whatever time zone they're on. It will help them understand that, OK, these are the expectations. This is the culture. Um, and and it helps to bring everyone along working from the same hymn sheet. You know, it's not perfect. And those challenges are really difficult to square. Um, but but the big one is to have those open lines of communication from day one, lay out what the culture is it's like here. Well said. So. 
And I think a lot of uh, Thomas that you're talking about, and, and Kathy and I deal with this all the time, is just the influence of the leader and, you know, their self-awareness. Where are they with the perfection trap? Can they be transparent? And I would think, you know, that would be a big influence. And we're talking about the leaders have more influence than they think. Them talking about their perfection trap, um, you know, maybe reading your book and, and saying, oh, I read this book. Here's what I noticed about myself, I think would go a long way. Um, can you say a little bit about that? And then maybe what's in the book that may help them bring that, that awareness about, okay, where am I on this continuum? Yeah, and of course, but this is what I mean about open lines of communication. It's so, so important that you allow people within your team to speak up, to, to be a check on yourself and others. You know, it, if it is the case that you think an expectation is too high or there's an unreasonable time frame that's being placed on a, on a project, I want to be working in an environment where as a leader and as an employee, I feel I can say something. That I can say, well, I think that's right. unreasonable for X, Y, and Z. And as long as the reasons are justified, then then that mm-hmm. that, that that is so such an important form of communication because if if we don't have that culture and people just get on with it and find at the end of it that they're struggling to meet it and don't quite make the target, then that's going to have massive implications for whatever project we're working on. Whereas if we're able to uh, address those things right at the beginning through clear lines of communication, it's so 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 crucial. So that you know that's. And that helps also managers recognizing themselves that if their if their expectations become perfectionistic, because they might be being told by people that are working with them that actually that's a little bit much what you're asking there, and can we can we somehow recalibrate that? That's also a good mm-hmm. moment for self reflection, um, both in ourselves and our standards we place on other people. Okay, so what about some tips? Well, my book, as as I mentioned, has a good um, set of resources in terms of classification and getting a check on your your own perfectionism and to what extent you agree with or disagree with certain statements that perfectionistic people typically uh, make and the behaviors and thought processes that they typically think and feel. And if you are trending higher on those uh, those tendencies, don't worry. You know, lots of people do. And in fact, we're seeing the mean move uh, higher among more recent generations. So uh, this is something that we all struggle with this is something that's very normal normal very natural in this in this culture um it's okay but the first point is to recognize it and say well what are the things i can put in place to think a little bit differently to try to manage these um highest self-set expectations the first is to be honest with yourself that you know if you've had set a goal that's too high you're probably not going to meet it. So you're probably going to be finding yourselves in situations where you're not quite feeling like you've ever succeeded or exceeding in very great measure, even though you've probably come very far in your professional journey. Mm-hmm. You might find that because you set too high goals for yourself, you can never savor, you can never enjoy. Now, if that's you, mm. try to reflect, try to look at how far you've come, look at the bigger picture and be kind to yourself. Tell yourself yeah, you know, you've done so much, you've come so far. And even if you do make a mistake on this or that day or don't quite meet that target, it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to ruin your chances in the company or whatever it might be that it's just one bad day at the office. Of many bad days in the office that you're going to have, it's just normal, it's natural, it happens. Part and parcel of being just a human being. So I think self-compassion is really important. And also trying to challenge the kind of black and white thinking that perfectionistic people engage in, the kind of must, have to. It's very rigid kind of, if I don't do this, 
then the whole project's going to fail. <laughs> well, okay, let's just take a step back. Is it a must? Is it a have to? Or is it would like to? Or is it it would be nice if? Or this would be a good result if? But does it actually have to be that way? And often you'll find it doesn't. And also think through the consequences of what happens if you don't quite meet it. Is it as catastrophic as you think it is? Is that going to be the end of your employment? Probably not. Almost certainly not. Uh, so the, that impulse to catastrophize also is, is massive among the perfectionist people. So sometimes it's, it's helpful to write those things down, but reframing them is so, so important. And prioritizing your time under things that are needed in that moment and things that are perhaps maybe uh, uh, would be good, but don't have to be done right now. Um, so reframing for thinking more compassionately um, and recalibrating goals as well uh, to not just on yourself, but also on the people around you so that they're realistic, but also provide a good uh, degree of challenge um, is also some things to think about. Well, Thomas, I am so grateful for the opportunity to have spent so much wonderful time with you today and talking about your book. Let's give out your website again, www.thomdurran.com so people can go and grab those tools that can help them rethink and reframe what they're really doing to themselves and others when they engage in this extreme um, perfectionism. And I'm sure that your students are going to be amazed and love every minute with you as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you, Thomas, for your tips and tools. Uh, Folks, go out and get his book. We all have that perfection trap, and so we want to open up the door so we're not trapped anymore to that unrealistic perfection. (laughs) Thank you, Thomas. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.